We're quite excited. It's very bright. Um, reach out a hand just, and we'll pray for him before he starts. Father God, we just thank you for um, what you're doing in James, and we thank you for the word that you've just put in his heart and his mind. God, will he, will he preach today with a boldness that he's never had before, with a confidence that he knows that the words that you have given him are from you, and that you have a message for each one of us this morning. In your mighty name, amen. Amen. Everyone hear me all right? So I keep jumping up. I have Christine's work uh, iPad with me, and it says Miss Coffee in the front of it. So I don't know. She doesn't want to be married to me anymore. <laughs> not a, I know. It's probably true. Might be by the end of this, too. Um, but yeah, maybe just as we start, um, we'll maybe just pray, actually, just briefly. So yeah, um, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here now. Um, I pray you'd come, God, uh, move um, among people here and um, speak to them where they're at, Father. Uh, just use something I have to say, God, to speak into people's lives um, where they're at at the moment, Father. And God, we just thank you for every single person here, God, and that they have a unique part to play in your kingdom, God, a unique part of that body, God, and that's all possible through your resurrection power, God. So yeah, we just thank you, Jesus, and what do you want to do here this morning. Amen. So yeah, as most of you guys uh, know, who were here last week, um, can I go up, Thomas? Sorry, I'm faffing about it. Here, I pull the top off it. <laughs> you wouldn't think I work with my hands, would you? There we go, lovely. So yeah, as most of you know, um, with Richard here, um, sharing with us last week, and I don't know about you, like, but I love it when Richard comes and shares. Um, I think he's one of those guys that just his um, passion and his love for Jesus just kind of like bubbles out of him. He can't help it just as he speaks. Um, but actually, during the week, I was actually just reflecting on the couple of weeks when we had the guys over um, from Bethel. And I don't know about you, it feels like that was um, like a lifetime ago now. But I think that was only a few weeks back and, and things move on so quickly. Um, but I think for many of us here... Um, there were certainly some significant um, encounters uh, for people in this room. And I think it was so special for us, I suppose, just as a church, just to come and to receive from those guys. Because uh, as we keep saying here at Journey, um, for the size of our church, you know, we punch way above our weight. And I think even a while back, things like egg pack and, and the explosion and all of that um, is really just proof of that. And that when we do things, you know, or we need help, literally everybody comes. Uh, which is honestly so special. And thank you again to everyone who tirelessly, and I mean tirelessly, gives up of their time um, to serve here at Journey. And I know there's so many people here who are like constantly um, giving away. So yeah, it was just great um, just to have those guys from Bethel and be able just to be ministered to and to receive from them. So I said, I was just reflecting during the week um, a wee bit about that, about those couple of weeks when those guys were over. Um, and I don't know about you, and I'm sure many of you here can't really remember much about it now. I kind of forget things. <laughs> I can't remember much what I'd done yesterday, never mind weeks ago. Um, but the talk Rory done when he was here was speaking into the season I find myself in at the moment. But there was one thing that he said um, that stuck with me, and it was this. It was that encounters should always lead us back to Jesus and to intimacy with him. He said encounters should always lead us back to Jesus and to intimacy with him. And I guess a way, certainly at the moment anyway, that's probably my um, life message. 
And I find even when I prep for um, things like today, I keep coming back to this place of it's all about Jesus and it's all about times um, of encounters and how they should lead us back just to that place really of just sitting at the feet of Jesus and worshiping him. But I'm going to try to resist the temptation uh, to go there again today, uh, hopefully, um, but we'll see how we, how we go. So yeah, I shared that briefly just about those Bethel guys being here to say this. I think sometimes as we reflected on it, the challenge with teams coming can be this. We kind of use that, I think, at times to limit ourselves. We can get a mindset of, um, oh, those, those encounters happen, or God speaks like that when the Bethel guys are over, or that stuff mainly happens in conferences like Kingdom Come. And to be honest, there's a part of that in me, and I'm already looking forward to Kingdom Come and what God has us in store for us there, which is great. But that thought that encounters like that only happen at conferences or when teams over, well, it's just not true. You know, the same Holy Spirit who works, the same Holy Spirit works in you as he does in those guys. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in all of us who have given our lives to Jesus. Now, just to clarify that, I'll probably keep saying this right through it all. It's not our power personally, but it's the power of Jesus working through us, through the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing that really, really excites me about this. We all get a part to play. Every one of us, we all get to pray, we all get to prophesy, and we all get to hear God for ourselves. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping, by the end of the day, you'll leave a little more inspired and convinced that it's you. It's not the person to your left or to your right or the people who are up at the front or in leadership or a Bethel team, but that operating in the power of the Spirit is for every single person who's given their lives to Jesus. So this morning, um, really, I want to talk about resurrection power. I know Easter was a couple of weeks ago, but I feel we can just use the whole month of April to talk about Easter. And I want to look into this and how this resurrection power is why we can all do this stuff. That God's presence no longer lives in a temple, but through the Holy Spirit, his presence and power now dwells in us. And really, all of this is possible because of that Easter event that we celebrate, that Jesus lived, died, and rose again, so we can know complete freedom, and we can know resurrected life in him. As I said, we celebrated Easter a couple of weeks back, which began with Palm Sunday, and then we celebrate the crucifixion, and then three days later, of course, that event that changed history, the resurrection of Jesus. As I said, the Easter story begins um, with um, Palm Sunday. And it's one of those events, um, I believe, that prove the Bible. At Palm Sunday, we remember Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. And the people gathered, if you knew the story, and laid the palm leaves um, down in front of Jesus as he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. And I suppose, in a way, if you didn't um, grow up um, with those Bible stories. I think sometimes you think about it, a lot of those types of stories can sound a bit odd 
like why was Jesus on a donkey? Uh, why palm branches? And there's a lot of reasons um, for some of these that we probably don't have time to look in in a lot of detail. But I think a lot of it um, is to do with the link between the Old and the New Testament in the Bible. There's a whole lot of Old Testament prophecies that were fulfilled in that event of Jesus coming to Jerusalem riding on a donkey. The palm leaves are significant as they spoke of welcoming a king to Jerusalem. In John 12, it references back to Zechariah 9 where it says this. It says, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. And really back in Zechariah 9, these were Old Testament prophets talking about future events that then happened many years later and were fulfilled in Jesus. And I guess that seems like random information, but I, did, I feel sort of, felt sort of prompted to put that in there because sometimes I sort of question that, like how can we trust the Bible? But it's very important when we look at the Bible and how we can trust it that prophets in the Old Testament prophesied these things and then we see them fulfilled in Jesus uh, many years later. But for those of you who know the story of Palm Sunday, the same people who welcomed Jesus shouting, and you can read this in John 12, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. We know those same people who um, welcomed Jesus we know five days later were the same people shouting crucify him on the cross. And then moving on from that, of course, we celebrate Easter when we celebrate Jesus' death and his resurrection. So yeah, I don't know about you, I'm excited about that and what that means for us as followers of Jesus. So yeah, as I said, we've just celebrated Easter and really for us as um, followers of Jesus, this is what it's all about. Really, the cross and the resurrection is what sets Christianity and us as followers of Jesus uh, apart from all other world religions. And uh, when prepping for this, I was spending some time reading the accounts of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And really, I began to get excited again about the cross and uh, Jesus' death and his resurrection because really that's how um, everything we experience is possible. As I mentioned earlier, when the guys from Bethel were over, we were talking about encounter. You know, and the signs and the miracles and the wonders, they're all because Jesus lived, died, and rose again. And that's really why these things are possible. So yeah, I thought this morning we'd jump on a wee bit and uh, talk a little about the resurrection. And I love this, um, because really everything we long to see Jesus do in our own lives and in us as a church, the encounters, those moments of closeness with Jesus are only possible because, Jesus, because of Jesus' death and resurrection. And I think Easter gives us that beautiful reason or excuse to get excited again about what Jesus has done. And I'm maybe just going to read, um, hopefully they're up on the screen, um, just a few verses um, at the start, just to set um, really just a bit of a general theme um, of what we're going to talk about. And as you read these, I just encourage you to just reflect on the beauty, really, and um, the awesomeness of what is contained in some of these verses. So the first one is in Acts 2. And it says this, But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And in Romans 6, uh, 10, it says, 
For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the last one's in Romans 8. It says, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Kind of feel like after, after reading those three verses, it's nearly like an almost enough said type moment, and we could just leave it with that. But it's Romans 8, 11 um, that I want to really base what we're talking on today. And I encourage you to read all of Roman, Romans 8. It's one of, I think, one of the richest chapters in all of Scripture, and I, I absolutely love it. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. You know, his death and resurrection is actually our resurrection. Romans says we have been buried in his death and raised in his resurrection. That the resurrection of Christ is what's given to you when you are born again and give your life to Jesus. Romans 6 says, Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, death no longer has dominion over him. As I said earlier, you know, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now works through you. Now, as I said, and I'll keep saying, it's not our personal power from yourself, but through Holy Spirit, his power, his resurrection power is now alive in you. And honestly, if that doesn't excite you, I don't know what will. But here's the problem. We spend so much of our time operating in the flesh disconnected from that life source that is Jesus's resurrection power. And Jesus says it so many times, and we talked about this in prayer a bit on Friday night, that his words are life themselves. And I tell you this, guys, I've been down myself some random train of thoughts. There are many times, Christine will tell you, I feel like, to be honest, at times giving up and saying, God, it's too hard. But here's the thing when I'm honest with myself. Jesus is the only one who is enough. He is the only one that truly, truly brings life. And Christine will tell you, I'm a little, <laughs> probably confession time here, I'm a little impulsive and uh, I tend to get really into things for a while and then give up. Um, though I am improving, I'm kind of with more stickability recently. And I'm kind of one of those all in or nothing type people. But at times I'm doing things or focusing my attention on things and they're not necessarily bad things, but I'm trying to fill the place Jesus should have in my life with really stuff, with like material things. I'm going elsewhere for that thing that only Jesus can give. And hear this, I love hobbies. Sport's great. I think you should be doing all those things to chill and relax. But my point is it's only Jesus and his resurrection power that will truly uh, truly satisfy. So yeah, I just want to use um, really the resurrection story from Mark 16 as a basis for just a few points. And we'll maybe read Mark 16 now. And if you want to look it up um, or read along, it'll be up on the screen. And say so if you have time, I'd encourage you to read uh, Mark 16 again. And also John 20 is really good. And I'm probably going to be referencing a little from John 20 even though we haven't read it. 
And as I say, if you have time to read all of John 20 as well, I encourage you to do that. And it gives really some more insight and some more detail really about the, the resurrection story. But yeah, let me read Mark 16 now. And it says this, when the Sabbath was over, it's a wee bit long, so bear with me, but when the, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices so that, the, so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the woman went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. She went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. Afterward, Jesus appeared in a different form to two of them while they were walking in the country. These returned and reported it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they were eating. He rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. And praise God we've seen some of that over these last few weeks. After the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was taken up into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere and the Lord worked with them, confirming his word by the signs that accompanied it. So you have just a few points um, I just want to pull out of Mark 16 on this theme of resurrection power. And the first one I want to mention is the power and significance of the cross. You know, the death and resurrection of Jesus, I believe, hold the answer to all of what society is looking for. And I'm talking about in our Christian context, but even outside of church in a secular context. You know, all other religions, their gods are dead, but Jesus is alive and well. Every other religion teaches to earn your way to God, but our Jesus has already paid it all for us. All their religions have systems of rules to appease their gods in hope that someday they might get into heaven. But we have a relationship with God and an assurance of life eternal. Psalm 145 tells us the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all 
To all he call on him in truth, he fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears their cry and saves them. And here's the beautiful one. No other religion has an empty tomb. And I actually, <laughs> I actually hate using that word religion when we're talking about Jesus because it's so much more a relationship than anything to do with religion. You know, our God is alive and well. And I love Easter because we get to celebrate that wonderful truth. And you know, everything is connected to the resurrection of Jesus. It is completely central to everything. And it's the blood of Jesus that cleanses us from all sin. And here's the thing. Now, through the cross, the impossible is now possible. And really, I believe, as believers, we were born to operate in the possible. Let me say it again. We were, we were born to operate in the impossible. You know, the death and the resurrection of Jesus is the most demanding, I believe, reality in all of life. I believe it demands a response from us. If Jesus truly did live, die, and rise from the dead, how can we not give our lives in worship to him? It demands a choice in us. We either believe it's true or we don't. And if we don't, we're kind of wasting our time here. You know, the resurrection is the thing that defines everything else. When Jesus died, he did not die missing anything. He didn't forget to deal with anything. He didn't become an offering for part of the problem, but for it all. And there's a beautiful um, C.S. Lewis quote. I don't know if there are any fans in the room. Possibly Gloria's one, I don't know. But he said this, he said this, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen. Now, he is talking about the physical sun here in the sky, not the Son of God. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because I see everything else by it. Because of it, I can see everything else. You know, the death and resurrection of Jesus redefines everything else in life. Relationships, gifting, dreams, it all takes on a different flavor because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And yeah, the second thing I wanted to briefly mention was it's not always as we expect. And maybe we need to stop limiting God to what we know or what we've seen or what we've already seen him do. We need to stop comparing ourselves to others. And Jesus said, you know, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In Mark 16 that we read from, it says in verse 12, that after he appeared to them in a different form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. Sorry, maybe we didn't read it. It says, after that, he appeared to them in a different form to two of them as they, as they walked and went into the country. You can see here, he appeared to them in a different form. He didn't come as they had expected. And I guess we're in a season uh, more than ever where there's a stirring to see a move of God. But I guess many of us are also hoping that it will be something we like or God will come the way we think he should. But God, <laughs> here's the thing. God has a bit of a habit of showing up in unexpected ways like he did here to his disciples after his resurrection. 
But before we move on from this, um, I just want to pick out a quick detail from this part of the resurrection account. And it's in John 20, and it isn't really included so much in Mark 16. In verse 11 of John 20, we see Mary weeping at the tomb of Jesus. And I think this detail is fascinating. Jesus speaks to her in verse, in verse 15 and says, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? But she doesn't recognize it's him. And on ver- down verse 15, she assumes it's the gardener. But then in verse 16, Jesus speaks her name, Mary. And I love this because instantly she recognizes it's him. When, when Jesus said her name, Mary, all confusion and mourning and everything that was competing for her attention instantly left. And I love this because it shows even in that circumstance Jesus was in, his relational love for Mary. And at the voice of Jesus, I believe all confusion must go. So yeah, as I said, um, in verse 10 and 11, we read, we read these things. He said, she went, she went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. When they heard that Jesus was alive and that she had seen him, they did not believe it. So yeah, here we have this um, account further on in the story where the disciples are disappointed. And in a way, I suppose you could be critical of the disciples for not believing. But when we look at it from their perspective, you know, they've given three and a half years of their life to follow Jesus, and now he is dead. And they probably feel they have nothing in a way to show for it. They left everything to follow this one, and now he is dead. I'm sure they had intense um, disappointment and mourning because they loved Jesus, and they were devoted to him, and now he's gone. And the news comes that Jesus is alive, but they're so much in pain, not wanting to be gullible um, or fooled again. You, in a way, they've already left everything to follow him. And I just wanted to pick up on that, because I think sometimes that can be um, our experience at times, or certainly for me at times. And I sort of mentioned this briefly, actually, last week. You know, so what happens when you try to protect yourself from being gullible? You know, and I think that's a big thing in our um, country. For a lot of us, we meet new things with, with suspicion because we don't want to be gullible and getting tricked into believing something that's not true. And now to an extent, hear me, like I think that's fair enough at times and we shouldn't blindly just accept everything that we hear. But here's what tends to happen. We tend to overcompensate and keep ourselves from faith. You know, we, and, and here's why Jesus could rebuke and correct them for not believing the report. Because when the report was spoken, and any time Jesus speaks, his presence and his life is released. And here the disciples, we see them were so anxious not to be um, tricked again or fooled into anything again, that they became unavailable to what God was actually doing. And often, I don't know about you, but <laughs> this is certainly me, 
often anxiety causes us to lose track of the tools that God has given us and put into our lives. And at times, and you know, any time we're in a difficult situation, I believe anyway, the enemy works hard to make us mindful of the threats to our safety and um, we're surrounded by those waves in a way. And we tend then in those situations, in our anxiety in those situations, to take our eyes off the one safe place to all the other possibilities. And here's the thing sometimes, I know this is me, in that anxiety, we can't remember one thing God has taught or said this in the, many, in the how many years previous. And yet, there's not a person in this room that's facing something that God hasn't already prepared a solution for. You to think that you're unprepared in a way is to call him a bad steward of your life. You know, just because you can't remember it doesn't mean he didn't put it there. And I believe it's, it's fighting, and I know for me personally it is a fight, it's fighting for that place of peace, fighting for that place of acknowledging his presence in every situation, that's Bethel team, hype, conference, whatever, in the day, right down to the day-to-day. It's in that place that you rediscover what God has placed there. You know, and that's the very tool, the very instruments that we need in that moment for those situations we're facing. You know, in a way, our job is to recognize when things come from the Lord or not. Our responsibility, you know, is not the approval of the messenger or the personality through which the message was given. You know, I heard this, um, we quote one time, and it's really good. It's kind of a wee bit of a side note, but it says, Oftentimes, our hunger is tested by inputting what we are hungry for in the group of people or the individual we want nothing to do with. And just like we've seen in this resurrection story, Jesus likes to appear to us differently. And I think sometimes he appears differently. And um, I think it was maybe Thomas mentioned that earlier. You know, that we get out of this way of um, encountering Jesus or having like a formula or a routine for it. And Jesus likes to appear to us differently so we get to know his voice and his presence, not just by a formula or a routine of like one plus one equals an encounter or whatever, that we're people that get to know his voice and, and know what it is to listen for that. But the third thing I wanted to pull out of this, um, I've just entitled this little point. Um, it's just something more personal that God's been speaking to me. And it's, it's, it's the point I just call it was like, to whom shall we go? I just want to quickly jump over. I don't want to jump out too much. So I just want to quickly jump over to John 6. And it's after Jesus preached one of his famous sermons. And near the end of the chapter, it says, From that time, many of his his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? And many of the people who were following Jesus turned away because they said his sayings were too hard. So a lot of the people had left, and it was only really his disciples left there. And he says to them, do you also want to go away? But this passage has really been, or this one phrase has been really, this verse has been speaking to me a lot recently. And I absolutely love what Peter says. And they said, these verses have rescued me personally out of some bleak periods of, to be honest, unbelief. 
And he says this um, in verse 68. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And hear what he's saying, and I've been in this place. He's saying, where are we going to go? Every time you talk, we come alive inside. And I don't know if you've ever been in that place. I know I'm being maybe a bit honest. Imagine the person from the front saying about unbelief. But <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been in that place of saying, Jesus, I don't know what you're doing right now, but I know this. Where else can I go? Because it's your words, your presence, that bring life and life in all its fullness. Let's get back. Let's get back to your first love. You know, there are these beautiful verses just a little early in John 6, and Jesus says this, and I love this here. He says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And here's Jesus speaking. These words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. You know, when you take time to realize and stand in the awe of the sacrifice Jesus made for you, and the eternal life that gives us to live in glory. You know, when you stand back and realize the power of the cross and what was achieved in the cross for us individually, when you realize that love God has poured out for us, I'll challenge you with this. Where else, where else would you run? You know, this is the power of our resurrected King. I don't know about you, but when I get discouraged, sometimes I can find myself wanting to hide and in a sense, run away and just settle for a so-called comfortable life or a comfortable, safe life. But I don't know about you, but I'm not content to settle for a so-called comfortable life. Because can I reassure you of this? When you get that sense of the Spirit of God speaking and moving in your life, nothing else will do. I just love those words of Peter. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And those beautiful words of Jesus, and here Jesus speaking, the, the words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. And this, I believe, this is resurrection power. It's the spirit who gives life. So yeah, just to wrap up, I just as I mentioned earlier, what I love from when Rory shared a few weeks back was, you know, all encounters... God speaking, moving in power, all of us should point us back to Jesus and that place of intimacy with him. You know, without, the, without the resurrection, we cannot be saved. Everything hinges upon that one thing and the complete victory Jesus had over sin and, and darkness and all of that. But can I encourage you this morning in closing, we can all do this. You know, every single person in this room because of the power of the cross and the resurrection of Jesus. And if you're sitting there thinking, I can't pray, I can't prophesy, you know, that's an okay starting point, but through the resurrection, you can. And I've been there, I'll tell you, before. I, in a way, I wasn't going to put this in here, but I, like, I basically my day-to-day -day drive a digger, do you know, and work with my hands and do all of that. And I sat for years and thought, I seen people at the front and see people doing those things. And I thought to myself, that'll never be me. Do you know? I'd resign myself to be like, do you know what? 
God's using those people and that's great, but I'll just do my thing, do you know, got my ticket to heaven and I'll just cruise by with that. But let me assure you of this, like that is not what God has for you. Do you know, there's so much more than that. And I encourage you this morning, don't settle for his second best. And it says here, it says, but the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. And that's every person here. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. You know, his death and resurrection is actually our resurrection. Romans says we have been buried in his death and raised in his resurrection. You know, that, that the resurrection of Christ is what's given to you when you're born again and give your life to Jesus. You know, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead now works through you. And as I kept saying, it's not your personal power. Um, it's the Holy Spirit and his power, his resurrection power is now alive in you. And really, if that doesn't excite you, we're, we're, I don't know what will. Like. <laughs> and we were sharing this week at Home Group, and we were sharing testimonies and things God has been speaking to us in the last season. And someone was actually sharing about uh, watching the Passion of the Christ and how it had moved them to a deep, fresh revelation of the sacrifice Jesus made for us. And you know, Jesus died for all things so that we could be free. And when I say free, I mean actually free. Not that we've got this ticket to heaven mentality, but that you're free to follow Jesus and to see the fullness of what he has for you. And let's um, not diminish the power of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and what he's doing um, in your life. I know maybe Chris, if he wants to come up, I'm nearly not too far from being finished. But I encourage you this morning, let's not settle for second best. You would cost Jesus, I believe, too much for us to settle for a so-called comfortable life. You know, I'd encourage you this morning, go after everything God has for you. Go after the intimacy with Jesus. Go after the still small voice. Go after the encounters. Go after the healings. You know, let's set aside the comparing ourselves to others, thinking that's for a Bethel team, that's for people who lead conferences, all of that. Let's set that aside. The truth over all of this is, whether you feel like it or not, we all get a part to play. Every one of us, we all get to pray, we all get to prophesy, and we all get to hear God for ourselves. You know, it's you. It's not the person to your left, the person to your right, the people who are up at the front, or in leadership, or a Bethel team, but that operating in the power of the Spirit is for every single person who has given their lives to Jesus. How about in this season, we don't wait around for someone else to bring things into our lives. Or we, or, or we live off the stories and testimonies of other people. Let's be people who live out the power of God that is within you. you have been given, we have been given the spirit of the resurrection, resurrected Christ. Let him be, I encourage in this season, who he is flowing through us. You know, the resurrection of the resurrection power of Jesus lives in you and he wants out. You all of heaven is looking to see what impossibilities we will conquer 
in his name, and that's both personally and as a church. So yeah, just in finishing, what will we do with what we've been given? Thank you, guys.